0: A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm so glad you're with us on the program. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you. Uh, I don't know how you're celebrating. Hopefully, uh, responsibly. We'll, we'll we'll leave it there, but hopefully you have some frivolity as well. Hey, listen, uh, coming up here in just a moment or two, we're going to be talking with Lauren Snyder, who is a Second Amendment activist in Arizona and a woman who very recently made her uh, her debut before a legislative committee. She signed up to testify in support of a bill, and she's going to talk about what happened two weeks ago. It was actually two weeks ago today that, uh, that this happened, uh, because it is... Uh, it, it's it's a problem. And it's a problem that is not exclusive to Lauren's own experience. It's a problem that is not exclusive to Arizona. In fact, it's not even really a problem that is exclusive to uh, the gun debate or the debate over our right to keep in bear arms, which, frankly, there is no debate. We have it. It exists. The only uh, issue is those who are trying to take it away. Uh, but the what Lauren went through, the disrespect shown to her by public officials uh, is absolutely worth talking about. And beyond that, I have to tell you that Lauren is just a fantastic advocate for our right to keep and bear arms, and, and I want to help introduce her to the broader 2A community if she needs that introduction. Uh, anyway, without any further ado, I want you to take a look a look and a listen to our conversation with Lauren Snyder out in Arizona about a, a good bill in uh, a very, very bad way of uh handling those supporters on the part of uh one democratic state senator take a look and listen lauren thank you so much for coming on the program it's so good talking with you today
1: thank you so much for having me really uh it's definitely much appreciated to amplify my voice
0: absolutely listen it's been it's been two weeks uh since this uh senate judiciary committee hearing where you specifically i think were completely disrespected uh, by a, uh, a a state senator, uh, Lupe Contreras. Um, let's talk a little bit about what this hearing, uh, what was supposed to be about. What 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 bill was up for debate here? This was a, what, HB 2316?
1: Yes. Uh, and basically the gist of it is that it would pretty much expand the um, amount of like public spaces and public buildings that people with their concealed carry permit could carry without having any sort of repercussions, it, there wouldn't be any criminal charges. And um, it, it, there is a little bit more to the bill where it, it, if a building wants to say no guns, then they have to install metal, metal detectors or some sort of standard to make sure that, okay, the law-abiding citizens that didn't carry their guns um, and the people that are going to ignore the law regardless aren't having an advantage and still carrying a weapon on them. So kind of to like level the playing ground. Yeah. Um, and then those that have their concealed carry would be able to just bypass the security. Um, I don't think those, I I'm not a hundred percent sure those measures were actually in the uh, section that we spoke on that day though.
0: Okay. Okay. And this was your first time testifying before a legislative committee, Correct.
1: It was, (laughs) yeah. I was, uh, not much makes me nervous. That made me nervous.
0: (laughs) You seem like a very outgoing person, but it is nervous. I mean, it's a nerve wracking experience. You're there and there's the, you know, all of the people that are, well, you want them to be looking at you. You want them to be paying attention to what you have to say, right? And that, so at what point then you, you know you're prepared to testify. Um, You're obviously testifying in support of these bills. but, you know, you said that as you were writing out what you wanted to say, you realized that this bill had a, a deeper meaning to you. This wasn't just, you know, theoretical, hey, we need to support our right to keep our arms. We need to be as strong as possible. This had a very personal uh, a connection to you.
1: It did. And I really honestly didn't think, I just thought, okay, yeah, it makes sense. You know, people that have already gone through the trouble of getting their concealed carry, especially considering Arizona is a constitutional carry state, you're taking that extra step. And I was like, yeah, sure. Of course I would, you know, support that. Um, and then as I was sort of thinking about what I wanted to say, um, I did, I realized that There was a situation that I had experienced in the past where I did the right thing and I left my firearm at home um, and I was assaulted on on that one night, you know, that I didn't have anything on me to use in self-defense. And one of the biggest things for me in maintaining my right to defend myself is that I'm differently abled. So I physically cannot run away. I physically cannot throw a punch. If I were to punch somebody, I would probably break my hand and not even bruise them because I I have a condition where I, I just I, I'm my um, like joints and bones and stuff are really fragile. So it is really important for me to be able to carry tools of self-defense and be able to use them if I come upon a situation where I am being assaulted or in the, the case of what happened the last time, uh, it was an abduction attempt.
0: Uh, well, first of all, um, I'm glad that you're okay. I'm glad that you're here today and you're able to to tell your story But when you started sharing this, you know, again, this incredibly personal and this incredibly, uh, you know, affecting story. I mean, this is this is what you know what you're talking about. I mean, it's gripping as you're telling me this. Um, What was Senator Contreras's reaction?
1: So as I was speaking, um, I. I. So I had written a statement and I, it didn't save to my device, so I had to wing it. So it kind of worked in my advantage because I was really able to engage with the committee members and I was maintaining eye contact with them as much as I could, and I was looking around and seeing who was looking back at me, who was actually listening to what I had to say. And and you can tell when somebody's actively listening. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of the um, senators on the committee that were just not even looking up at me, looking at their laptops. Some of them were typing, whatever. And I understand, you know, they've got things that they're doing, but they couldn't, I had a minute and 30 seconds to talk. And I only used a minute of that. And they couldn't even give me one full minute of their time to listen to what I had to say. Uh, And Senator Contreras was one of those committee members that just seemingly, uh, you know, kind of tuned out what I had to say. And meanwhile, I was up there and I'm not a very emotional person. And and it really started to um, make me sort of get very choked up talking about it because it is something that is really important to me to be able to have my right to defend myself. Um, And it was really, really scary to sort of relive this this memory that I hadn't really talked about, and not a lot of people knew, and here I am telling a bunch of strangers about it, and um, it it felt very disrespectful to not even have that heard. Like here I am, you know, spilling my guts essentially about this this these things that have happened to me, and to just have it like.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and this is the thing I've learned. I mean, you know, I, I I have covered enough everything from, you know, school board meetings to city council meetings to congressional hearings that I have seen that type of attitude from politicians where it's just like, all right, if I'm not talking, well, I'm tuning out because I don't care what anybody else has to say. And that is infuriating to me. I mean, it really is because you're a public servant. You are this your job is literally to serve the people. And if you're not willing to listen to the people, then how on earth can you serve them? But to add injury to insult uh, after you got done speaking as Senator Contreras Uh, Then decided to speak. And it sounds like rather than again, because he wasn't listening, apparently, to what you had to say, or at least it wasn't sinking in, because rather than address you as a human being, rather than talk to the gun owners in the room, Senator Contreras came up with this like. He created a straw man that doesn't exist, that he could argue against rather than actually having a conversation with the people who were right there in that room.
1: Absolutely. Um, And one of the things that kind of set the tone for what he was talking about during my testimony, I never once said that I was scared ever. I never said that I live in fear. I don't because I carry a clock 43 with one in the (laughs) chamber. Um, But the, the point that I was trying to make with my um, testimony when I first came out and I said, I've been a victim of, you know, um, sexual assault, I've been a victim of domestic violence, and I don't ever want to be a victim again, and that's why I've carried for the last 10 years of my life one of the reasons that I specifically said that was not so much to be me, 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 but Mm. it it was more as um, a retort to somebody that actually testified before me and had the full attention of those senators that paid no attention to me was from Moms Demand Action. And they had sort of, uh, just to paraphrase paraphrase rather, suggested that people who have been victims of uh, assault, domestic violence, this, that, and the third shouldn't have to be subjected to being around firearms. So I wanted to take that point that those, particularly the democratic senators on the committee were so, you know, focused on paying attention to this person. And I wanted to take that point and turn it on its head and say, Hey, I'm one of those people that they were just talking about. And my right to carry and and be around firearms and learn how to, you know, safely use them and and train and this, that, the third means more to me than I I can even explain. So it almost, I like to sort of do that and almost like point out sort of um, hypocrisy in a way or take those talking points and turn around and hit them with an Uno reverse card, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and listen, I mean, again, we were talking about creating straw men. I think the gun control movement um, depends on those straw men, right? That every victim of a violent crime is in favor of gun control. Every domestic violence victim wants more gun control laws. Uh, You know, every victim of a school shooting is in favor of more gun control laws that, that, you know, if if you have been uh, victimized in some form or fashion, well, the the obvious and only proper response is to demand uh, restrictions or the prohibition uh, of our right to keep and bear arms when, Lauren, you and I both know that the Second Amendment community is full of people who have. Lost loved ones to violent crime. They have been victimized by strangers or by intimate partners, uh, but they don't believe that the that the the, the way to a, a safer society is by removing our means of self defense. They never want to be in a position where they can't protect themselves again. Uh, and right. you know, and, and they don't look. The, the gun control lobby does not want to have that debate. So you are an inconvenient truth to them. And it doesn't surprise me that the gun control lobby might want to ignore what you have to say. But again, when it gets back to public officials and public servants, I don't think they have the right to simply uh, uh, close their ears, close their eyes, and, uh, and try to shut you down.
1: Right. And that's the thing um, with Senator Contreras' remarks, right? He, first of all, asked to explain his vote. So there was another, uh, there were three no's, two asked to explain their votes, and one just simply said no. So it, it was particularly like he, he wanted to say that and mm-hmm. his statements were not at all about his constituents. You're an elected official. You represent the people that put you in this office and his statements were all about him. It was, well, I don't, I'm not afraid. I don't feel like I have to carry my gun. And to me, that also seems, once again, taking these points that, that you know, the Dems like to use and turning it on their head. That's, you're speaking from a point of privilege then because you've had the privilege of living your entire life without ever having been assaulted, without ever having to have feared for your life, without ever having to felt like you needed to be able to defend yourself and not having any means or any tools to do so. So that is privilege right there. And you're gonna sit up there and and announce it to everybody in the audience pretty much.
0: So what what was the ultimate outcome of that committee hearing? Did the bill advance?
1: It actually did. Um, it advanced uh, five to three along party lines.
0: OK, well, you yep. know, yeah, along party lines, it, it's, it's unfortunate, but I'm glad that it is at least making progress there in Arizona. Um, yes. And, you know, I, I would just ask, I mean, if I don't know if Senator Contreras would even listen to what you have to say, but, uh, right. you know, if, if he were on this Zoom call with us right now, what would you tell Senator Contreras about uh, about what happened that day, and, and what what you'd like to see from uh, from from politicians like him in the future?
1: Sure, I mean, as an elected official, I would like to see them at least when somebody's giving testimony, at least listen to what you know constituents and uh, people that you represent have to say, and to take into consideration that. When you're making these decisions that directly impact every single person in your state that you're, you've been, you know, given this honor to represent, right? That you think about them when you're making those decisions. You don't just think about yourself. You don't just make these decisions based on your feelings and thoughts and and, and your single point of view on on an issue. Um, That would really be my biggest request of of anybody that is in a position of power especially in legislature think about the people that you're supposed to be representing and not everything is so black and white kind of to the point that you were making earlier not everybody that's been a victim of assault or or violence is against somebody having the the right to arm themselves and to defend themselves it's not you know there it's not binary it's not just one or the other there is a gray area and there are All types of people that choose to arm themselves for whatever reason. And I think that we need to understand that not everybody has the same story, you know?
0: Absolutely. And Lauren, I'm so glad that you shared your story. I, I, uh, I wish the Senator had listened, but you know what? I know that you've had an impact because I know that there were some people who were listening. Um, I also want to ask you about uh, your work with the DC project, because this is, you know, a, a great organization. I love the DC project. What you all are doing is just absolutely fantastic. So if there are women out there who would like to be a part of the DC project, can you just give folks like the elevator pitch about what the group does, what it's about and how folks can get involved?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I am actually a relatively new member of the D.C. Project. Okay. Um, I had met um, Cheryl Todd and Kim Bishop at a Second Amendment rally. It was like the ninth annual. It's this huge rally that they have on the Capitol lawn here in Arizona, in Phoenix. And I am actually the second vice chair and communications director of the Arizona Libertarian Party. And. Uh, we try to do these events that are, you know, relevant to interests of the party and also just to meet people where they're at. Um, Libertarians get a pretty bad, you know, reputation. So we like to go and show face at these events and just meet people and not even to to try to convince them to join the party, just to talk to them one-on-one as as a human face-to-face and not like as some troll on Twitter or something. Um, So, we went there, we had a big booth, we had everything set up and I was sort of just walking around and I saw the booth for the DC project. And I saw that, um, they were all decked out in their teal and they had the t-shirts that said legislate. Um, and it was crossed out and then it says educate on top. And I loved that. So I got to talking with some of the the women in the booth and, um, I ended up just connecting with them. Uh, and that was, uh, maybe about a month, Month and a half ago, um, and then Cheryl had actually asked if anybody would be willing to speak at that uh, Senate Judiciary Committee hearing, and I was like, "Sure, I, I'm not a shy person. I'm sure you can tell that I love an opportunity to to use my voice and and to to be involved in activism." So I was like, "Heck yeah, sure!" And that just sort of snowballed and and became this what you know this whole big sort of awareness to like yeah we need to pay attention to what's going on in the legislature because these people are are the ones making decisions for us um and i i just gotta say i really want to thank everybody at the dc project they are such a wonderful wonderful group of women they have been so um accepting of uh, me and everybody that's interested they are super supportive i without like cheryl todd and kim bishop um i wouldn't be here talking to you today they have just been wonderful and it, it is amazing to join something like this that is geared towards women and doesn't sort of fall into that, like, oh, women are all catty and they always on her and they're all in competition with each other. <laughs> that is not a thing with, with the DC Project. It is a group of strong, badass women, um, you know, getting the message out there.
0: Absolutely. And uh, and you fit right in because you are an all-American badass, Lauren. So well, listen, thanks, sir. Well, thank you very much for joining us on the program. I hope this is not the last time we have a chance to, uh, to speak. Um, I, I, next time we talk, though, I think I need some help. I think I could use a makeover. I'm thinking like we need a new color for the beard. And I think yes. you might be able to be a, to be my stylist.
1: Absolutely. We could even do some pinup curls in it.
0: <laughs> I, I'm down. I'm down. Lauren Snyder, thank you for everything you're doing. Thanks for joining us on Cam and Company today, and I look forward to doing this again soon.
1: Thank you so much, Cam. I appreciate it.
0: I do appreciate Lauren joining us on the program. I'm looking forward to having her back again in the uh, not-too-distant future. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, our recidivist report. We will start there with a case out of Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where a 19-year-old who was charged in 2019... With the uh, death, uh, or charged in uh, 2019 with a uh, shooting, now charged in the death of a two-year-old on Sunday while he was out on probation. Yeah, 19-year-old Tyrese Bell has been charged with murder connection with a two-year-old and another man who were killed in a Tuscaloosa shooting this past weekend. Uh, Bell has been on probation after being involved in another shooting in 2020. He pleaded guilty in November of 2021, less than six months ago. After police say he and two others shot from their car into another vehicle in an apartment building in Tuscaloosa, Bell led police in a chase and then wrecked his car before he was arrested. Again, that was back in 2020. He pleaded guilty less than six months ago. He was sentenced to just 46 months in jail anyway, which is ridiculous. He had to serve just 10 months of that 46 month sentence, which is even more ridiculous but it amounted the time served because he was given probation because of the time that he had already spent behind bars while he was awaiting trial. Yeah, which is the most ridiculous aspect of this. Uh, and now Tyrese Bell again, 19 years old, who should have been behind bars, but instead was given a light sentence and an even lighter slap on the wrist, released immediately after his guilty plea, now stays accused of killing a two-year-old child, a grown man, Bond set at $3 million, probably won't be getting out anytime soon. But if the criminal justice system had done its job the first time around, I think it is uh, fair to say that uh, two people in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, including a two-year-old child, might be alive today. Now, today's Armed citizen story from Brantford, Connecticut. We don't have a ton of information on this. This comes from a and in Hartford. where A burglar was killed, apparently an attempted robber. I wouldn't even call him a burglar, but uh, an attempted robber killed Uh, At the Brantford Motel, Uh, police responded to the motel early Thursday morning on reports of an attempted shooting. Uh, At the scene, uh, the shooter told police that he was actually the victim of a crime, that he was robbed at gunpoint while he was staying there at the motel. Police located a man who was armed in a room at the motel who was suffering from multiple gunshot wounds. Uh, Medics attempted to uh, treat the man, but he was pronounced dead on the scene. Uh, The incident is currently under investigation. Police are interviewing witnesses. Uh, Again, this uh, at this point appears to be a case of self-defense. We will be following along. Uh, And uh, once the police make their uh, official determination, we will let you know one way or the other. Uh, Finally, today, our good deed of the day from Bismarck, North Dakota, where an Army veteran An former police officer, in the right place, at the right time, willing to do the right thing to help a Bismarck police officer who was actually being attacked there at the airport. Yeah. Um, According to KX News in uh, North Dakota, it was about 11 o'clock Monday morning, an officer was asked to check on a man who uh, apparently was bothering passengers that were waiting to go through the TSA security line, uh, 34-year-old Christopher Fonseca. Uh, was the uh, suspect. Officer spoke with him in second. they went to the security office to uh, do a little bit of a further investigation. While the officer's there in the security office, police say Fonseca walked away from his backpack, which you're not supposed to do again at the airport, right? You don't leave your baggage unattended. The officer, then went to retrieve Fonseca and then asked him to leave the premises. That's when police say Fonseca attacked the law enforcement officer, hit him several times in the face and in the body. The officer yelled out for assistance while a bystander uh, jumped in, helped to uh, subdue Fonseca. That uh, bystander identified as a gentleman named Ron Elkins, uh, who was apparently at the airport to drop off lunch for his wife, who works there. And he said that's when he heard the commotion, saw the officer uh, who was, you know, being assaulted. And uh, Elkins said um, he had to step in to help. He said a lot of people were saying hero, hero, hero. He said, I'm not the hero. He said the people in the blue, the brown, the EMS, the ambulance, the fire, even the guys out there keeping the streets clean. They're the heroes. They're the heroes. And he also said that other people did come to assist that officer in need. Uh, According to an affidavit, uh, Fonseca was holding a box cutter in his hand. At the time of the alleged attack, he wore a brass knuckle on uh, both hands. Airport personnel believed that Fonseca had turned off the breakers to the IT operation building before he was arrested. The backup generator uh, kicked in. Airport personnel didn't immediately know what was going on until they actually looked at the surveillance video. Affidavit says that Fonseca also made comments about blowing up the Bismarck airport after he was arrested. He has been charged with assaulting a peace officer, reckless endangerment, carrying a concealed weapon and criminal mischief. And uh meanwhile, I'm I'm guessing, I would hope anyway, that Mr. Elkins may be getting uh a discount next time he uses the uh, food court there at the Bismarck Airport, no more uh, fifteen dollar nachos or uh I guess nachos probably more than fifteen dollars at the uh, Bismarck Airport, right? That's gonna be at least twenty five dollars. Maybe no more fifteen dollar uh sodas there at the airport for a Ron Elkins. I think he has definitely earned a, a discount there at the Bismarck Airport, and we're glad that uh, that officer is safe and sound. That is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. want to thank you for being a part of the program, as always, and I would encourage you to check out BerrienArms.com between now and next Monday, which is the next time we will have a, a Cam and Company. We're going to keep you updated on all of the big 2nd Amendment news and information, including what's going on with uh, Indiana's constitutional carry bill. We are getting really close to the deadline here for or Governor Holcomb, uh, to either sign the bill or veto the bill. If he does not veto the legislation, it will become law without his signature. So we will have uh, updates for you at barryandarms.com when that seven-day deadline is reached and when constitutional carry either survives or uh, goes down to a governor veto there in uh, Indiana. Those stories and more. You can again find a com. If you like what you see, you can also become a VIP subscriber. Just go to slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you will get a significant savings on your VIP membership. It's our way of saying thank you for showing your support for the independent pro Second Amendment journalism that we do each and every day. And uh, again, we're going to give you that exclusive content the news stories, the columns, the analysis you won't find anywhere else because your support really does make a difference. It does matter, and it is greatly appreciated. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Hopefully, the recovery from uh, St. Patrick's Day isn't too bad. Drink lots of water. We'll talk to you soon. Until we do, be well, be safe, and be free.